Welcome to Food Safety University, episode number 24, and today I am interviewing two of my favorite people on the planet, partners in business and partners in life, Janelle Carter and Alicia Menard of Casco Bay Creamery. This was such a fun interview. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Welcome to the Food Safety University podcast presented by Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele of Dirigo Food Safety. Tune in to learn food safety in plain English. We will break down the ins and outs of the food code, HACCP plans, you name it. We make food safety simple, easy, and even fun. Now here is your host, Dr. P. Welcome everybody to the podcast. I am so excited because today I have two of my very favorite people and two of my very favorite clients on the podcast. We have the most fun together, uh, even when it's hitting the fan. (laughs) Today on the podcast, we have uh, Leash and Janelle from Casco Bay Butter. And ladies, why don't you introduce yourselves? Mm Hi, I'm Alicia or Alish Menard, uh, and I'm one of the co-founders of Casco Bay Butter. And I'm Janelle Carter, and I'm the other co-founder of Casco Bay Butter. And um, you can also find us as Casco Bay Creamery because we launched into uh, cream cheese as well. Yeah, that's right. So welcome to the podcast, ladies. Thanks so much for being here. And I want to start us out with just tell me about like... um, like the things that that you feel like you've accomplished in the time that we've been working together. Mm. Ha! Ah, well, <laughs> we um, we went through a significant growth spurt last summer that launched us into a whole new category of regulation in terms of food safety. So I would say what we've accomplished is having an understanding of what that takes um, and, and um, a lot of information about how to be in compliance given where we are now as compared to where we were a year ago. It's overwhelming and invaluable. And I would say it makes you, we've learned a lot about systems, not just about compliance, but about systems in terms of safety, but in systems in terms of our thought process about record keeping, about how we go about our daily work, how we organize our thoughts and how we organize how we wanna be as a company and how we lead our company. Mm -hmm. So I would say it's not just the HACCP things that we needed in the food safety, but it's really branched out to a comprehensive look at how as leaders of a company, do we wanna lead our company forward? That's true. That's so amazing. And so what, um, what are some of the things that you've done to figure out how you want to be leading your company? I think probably one of the things that you've said that resonates me with the most is just decide you're going to handle it and handle it. Because that's something that it's, it sounds obvious when you say it, like, yeah, but uh, as we bit off this last chunk of this business and took on this new endeavor which launched us into you know just a completely different arena it got overwhelming really fast and um i think we were just so both excited by the opportunity and 
overwhelmed at the prospect of not being able to pull it off because it was so sudden and such a big leap. And so that just that frame of mind has helped me go from, Oh God, how do we do this to, okay, let's figure it out. And that, that just that shift in mindset has been, um, just massive in terms of approaching problems. And that's the energy that we want to put out there to our staff who I'm sure doesn't want to two leaders that are like, Oh God, I don't know, as opposed to, well, okay, let's try this. So that's, that's the thing that pops in my head first and foremost. And I'd go back to saying, you know, when we um, landed our large contract, that really is the impetus for our growth. And we looked at bringing on this new line. Alicia's like, well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to manage this? And I sarcastically said, fake it till you make it. We'll figure it out. But I think that mentality has shifted to let's take the bull by the horns and really have a plan and an action. And we didn't have that necessarily when we started working with you, Dr. P. And, and that tide has shifted. And now we have that. Um, and, and, and it's a work in progress. It's not, we don't have a roadmap that's paved, but we have much better guidance and thought process of how we're going to get to where we want to be. And I think that's been instrumental. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. And so what are some of the, like, the benefits that you guys see from that? Um, uh, I think um, it's, it's a pathway to um, future steps and future growth as opposed to like being reactionary to be being proactive, developing the infrastructure, the systems, the thought process that we need, not only to tackle this current growth, but to be poised for the next shift in direction for the company because it's coming. We don't know when or what and what it's going to look like, but I feel a lot more prepared that we'll figure it out when it happens because we were not um, back-footed anymore. And I'd say on a day-to-day -day basis, our staff has a much better understanding of what we're doing every single day. It's laid out for them. It's planned. It's, it's directional instead of... There's paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> It's not just in someone's head and we orate it out. You know, we do have a quick team meeting every day to just to check. I mean, when I say quick, three to five minutes, five minutes is like pushing the top of the time limit. But just to make sure everybody's on the same path, we're a team going down the right road together and that we make sure that if there's any change or anything like that, everyone's aware and they know that where to look for the information so that if someone, myself, is not on the floor, they know where to get the information. And that's huge for them. I think it provides them some safety and some stability and it provides me same and some sanity. So it's good. <laughs> win -win. <laughs> I feel like this should be a tagline, safety, sustainability, and sanity. sanity. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And so, you know, um, we work together very, really pretty closely. You know, we meet a couple of times a week. Um, we use project management software to get, um, to get stuff done. Um, and you guys are preparing for higher level audits as we are, as we are doing, um, as we are working together. So, you know, what, how, what would you say the time commitment is that you guys put into, I mean, I know we have our calls, um, but then really working into creating those systematic changes, 
do you have an idea of like what your time commitment is every week? Uh, it is directly correlational to how well our equipment is operating, <laughs> but on average, probably five to 10 hours a week. I'd say 10 hours a week. And I'll, I believe in transparency. So I run our, 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 prod, our uh, production. And, and so that balancing trying to step away from the production floor and having the time to do this I recently just said to myself, it's a non-negotiable, Janelle, because the time that I put in to do this, I see quickly in spades the results on the my role has shifted. Um, it was like two weeks ago, it really clicked. And I knew it was important before, but, um, it's making that time to see the change. And before I was like, I just got to get things out the door. I got to get things out the door safely, but not necessarily making the time to do the paperwork and do the planning during business hours. I try to do it on the weekend or at night when I got home. And I just said, if I'm going to change, then we have to have that commitment and I need to have office hours and step away and make time to do things properly. And that I think if, I wish I could have started that mindset from the beginning, even though you say that all the time. <laughs> but until that switch goes off in you, because for us, you know, we're a small crew. We were, we were many hats. And I think that's true for a lot of entrepreneurs. And especially when you're going through explosive growth, it's hard to find that time because you're trying to meet your customer's demand. You're trying to meet, make sure you, you have a great product. And to see that you taking the time to do those things really helps meet those goals. It took me a little while to see that, but I, if I could pass that forward, that's what I would pass forward, is making that time. Yeah, that's really amazing because I think that a lot, you know, just as human beings and especially as entrepreneurs, we're always thinking of the next thing and what else do I have to do and what else do I have to do instead of sitting down and like doing what it is we are doing like right now. Yep. Um, uh -huh. yep. And yeah. So, no, go ahead. Uh, the second uh, thing that resonates with me that you say a lot is showing up for yourself. And that's an example of that because like I, it's, I probably spent more time justifying why I need to reshift my priorities and not do something in the moment than I, if I spent the five minutes and actually showed up and did it, you know, um, and got it done, even though there's 10 things and they all seem important rather than trying to triage and push stuff off, just plow through and take a time. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, you know, it, it's so interesting because a lot of people come to me and they're afraid about how much time this is going to take, you know, um, but what you guys are saying is it's like, it's a choice to make the time to do this. Yep. And Without a doubt. And do you see that, what effects do you see that having down on the floor? Like, do you see that having effects on your, um, on your staff and like how that all looks? Yeah, I think we do more on the spot training um, 
because of the things that we're learning here and taking that time in the moment, but also to document that. Like you, you always say, did you write it down? So you get credit for that. And it's not just about getting credit for it, but it also shows the employee when we write it down and we show them, we show them that we're also investing in them. And I didn't necessarily see that until one of my employees said, you know, you guys document everything. And he's like, I really appreciate the fact that I can see at the end of the end of the month, how much I've learned and how much I've progressed um, because of the time you take to do that. And it, that was like what Friday, he said that to me and I was like, you know what, that's right. Like they can see that we're taking the time to do that and they appreciate it. Instead of just being like, oh, here's another tip or another thing to make things better. I think they can see like a progression of improvement for not just our team, but as an individual. That's really interesting because, you know, I don't know if I've shared this with you, but when you look at um, our staffs and, and um, how they show up at work, when they feel safe and they feel like they're making progress, it's, you know, for a million dollar company, uh, you like the average return on that is like 20% more profit. Like you're literally more profitable when your employees feel good at work. <laughs> yep. yep. It's interesting. Like, uh, so, you know, COVID is here. Our staff vary in age. So we're varying, you know, vaccination accordingly. And um, one of our, one of our employees um, received a call and was able to leave like real quick to go get vaccinated. And um, her partner called and said, you know, is it work okay with that? And she said, they actually celebrated that we were getting, I was getting vaccinated, you know? <laughs> so I think it's also that opportunity that they feel that they can do certain things. Even like I, I know the vaccination might, people might not th think it's work related, but it totally is because it's keeping our team safe. Yep. You know, and that's an individual choice for to be vaccinated or not. But I think that's important because it's showing our team that we value the safety too. And they have that, that room to go make that choice and, and do that so that, you know, they can move for forward. the greater good. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Wow. That's really, uh, that's really pretty powerful. Uh, so what has been your favorite part of working uh, together? We've been working together for a while. So we've done a lot of different things. What's your favorite part? Oh. <laughs> um. I, I don't know that I could narrow it down, but I think um, you have this knack of like talking people off the ledge quickly and then <laughs> getting down to the business that you need to get down to. So it's, that's super helpful. <laughs> I don't know if that's your intention, but and after a while it starts to sink in and, and create a different mindset. And that's, that's, um, I appreciate that. I, I feel like Alicia and I are very different in terms of people. Um, in like we're partners in life and partners in business. And so, but we are different, but we share similar values. And I think that's what makes us work well, both in life and in business. And I think your coaching style meets both of us for what we need, because right. sometimes I just need nuts and bolts to do list <laughs> and get things done. And Alicia needs a little bit more of like the talk off the ledge. Now, sometimes like I need to talk off the ledge because I'm the mechanic, I'm the project manager, I'm, you know, all these things. And you help us see like a way forward. Mm -hmm. And that forward is, you know, right now you might be the mechanic, but we're working on getting a mechanic. And that you might be, you know, 
this, but we're working toward that. And how do we continue to grow as professionals and not just be a firefighter all the time? And I think that's been instrumental because when you look and you vision your company and you vision yourself in a different way and a positive light instead of, uh, I have to deal with these things instead of like seeing the growth potential in yourself and your company and your organization, I think that lightens the work that you need to do. Now, I say that and I have a lot of work to do still <laughs> to get things done, but I, I think I view it in a different light and that makes that work a lot easier. And I think that's because we have conversations with you. you like, yeah, this is difficult, but in the end, it's going to you know, be beneficial and you understand the value. And I think that helps me prioritize and make it important. The third thing you say that really resonates with me <laughs> is what if it's supposed to be like this? Like, like we have a tendency to, to look at everything that's wrong as humans instead of like, maybe this is exactly how it's supposed to be and nothing is wrong and you're doing everything right because this is, it's hard right now and it's supposed to be hard right now. And so again, creating that mindset of like not seeing the glass half empty, but just having assurance that all is well and just tackle the next thing you need to tackle and, and leave the other crap at the door. Right. And, and I also think you, we look at problems right. now that might have taken us, we would have been down for three days or four days or until I don't even know somebody dropped out of the sky and miraculously fixed something. <laughs> and now we look at it as like, we can do that, no problem. Yeah. And I think that builds with our confidence with working with you and developing our skill set. It's important. Right. And that's going to lay the foundation for all the growth that you guys are going to have because, you know, so tell people a little bit of your story, right? And I didn't, did I ever tell you this, that I met you guys at a farmer's market, uh, probably in like the very beginning of your business? Uh, no, but do, do tell. <laughs> You'll probably be like the packaging was which, horrific. Which, which market? I... I don't remember which huh. one, but I was like, I they I desperately wanted you as customers like years huh. ago. That's cool. <laughs> years ago, and I remember your stall, and I remember. Did you guys sell in gray? Did you? Oh, we did we the did. gray farmers market for like a year. Yeah. yeah, it was there. It was there because I spent a couple of like weekends or weekdays or whatever yeah. trying to like talk to people at the farmer's market about food safety. And <laughs> <laughs> it's probably probably more as story. successful as you imagine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I'm reasonably confident I met you there and I pitched you at the farmer's market in Gray. That is funny. And that would have been in light. What year did you guys start? Ugh. Started in 2012. Um, and that first year we did the Kennebunk Farmers Market. And then uh, 2013, we expanded and added like York and maybe one others. And then I think like the summer of 2014, we had this whole farmers market model and we did like eight or 10 markets and hired people to, to um, go to different markets every week. Yeah. Yeah. I think I met you in 2014. That's yeah. funny. That the timeline would match up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you started. You started in 2012. It's 2021. Yep. Oh, right. So we start. Actually, our businesses are the same age. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you That's started cool. and you and you grew and you did the farmers market thing. So I should probably explain. That's how businesses grow in Maine. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> That's what we do. We go to farmer's markets. <laughs> and then to after, so you had that farmer's market model. And then what did you guys do? Well, so we started in a church kitchen in Portland, about six tenths of a mile from our house. Um, we were renting a commercial kitchen and buying cream from a little milk distributor on Riverside Street by the five gallon crate. I'd be like, big order today, three crates. <laughs> and we had a 10 by 10 storage unit at Reed Street with a milk cooler and a freezer in it. And so when the days we rented the kitchen, I left work early, went to the storage unit, got the cream and all the supplies, drove to the church, brought it all in the kitchen, sanitized the kitchen. Um, when we started doing this, we were churning butter in KitchenAid mixers that we had lined up on the counter. And then hand squeezing buttermilk and then using the same mixers to mix flavors to make enough tubs for that week's farmer's market. And after about nine months of that, we got our first churn that the church let us keep in the corner of the kitchen under a grill cover that I would drag out. It was a tub style. It held like 15 gallons of cream at a time. So then we'd churn and... and um, then we'd flavor. Yeah. Um, so we would have to clean the kitchen to use it, like clean up after like church dinners and things like that and then clean before we left it pack everything up back into the prius and drive it back to the storage unit to put it all away those were the logistics of the early days and we did that for two years before we found our current production space which was like huge at the time and now i was like how are we gonna pay rent yeah <laughs> seven years later we're like an elephant in a tea shop in there looking for the next big space because we this growth um, that we experienced last year, we got a whole new equipment line that we never intended to put in our current space. We intended to time that with a move, but because of COVID and the timing of landing this contract, it's in that same space we moved to from the church kitchen and we're doing a U-shaped production line to make it fit um, and, and on the hunt for a larger space. So yeah, we did farmer's markets for a while and landed some wholesale accounts um, and then things just started to happen. We got, we Hanford. landed Hannaford, we landed local Whole Foods. We just um, got picked up by a couple little distributors. And lo and behold, um, last year, about a year and a half ago, a national company found us um, in a Hannaford in New England. And they were looking to add butter to their product line and reached out to us about co-packing for them. And that sort of launched us into where we are now. Um, so that's in a nutshell. And we talk about growth. We went from making, well, at the time we were still having a little bit of our stuff co-packed while we were trying to figure out how to get the equipment that we have now. Yep. And we went from what we had co-packed in a year to what we make in less than two weeks. So oh, it was wow. like, right. what we were having co-packed for us in a year, we yeah. now co-packed for someone else in, in two weeks. Less than two weeks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. When we found yeah. Dr. P, it was like, <laughs> I think drinking from the fire hose was an understatement. It was more like drinking from the Hoover Dam. Yeah. So, <laughs> I know I dragged you through passive class last summer. <laughs> that was right before the equipment got installed, and we were like deer in the headlights, didn't know what was about to hit. Like, kind of knew, but didn't know at all. <laughs> Probably good we didn't know. Yes. Right, because you never would have done it. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, and I think that's pretty common. I think that, I mean, you're not the, you're not the only clients who I've had um, that have had that explosive set of growth. I will say you have had more than your fair share of problems um, <laughs> with that. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. So, you know, I think one of the other things that it's really nice to speak with you about is being a, a woman business owner mm -hmm. and, and, it has its own challenges, and I'm sure I can't say that, that men don't have the challenges either because I've never walked a day in their shoes, but I'm sure they have similar problems. But, you know, as a woman and you, you have mechanical breakdowns and you call these companies and you tell them what exactly what your problem is. Yeah, we can do that. No problem. We'll be down. They show up and they're like, we don't do that. And, 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 and it's like, I just talked to you half an hour ago and you specifically said you did that. And it's like, I think there's a lot of underestimating of our knowledge, our knowledge yeah. as women when it comes to mechanical or things like that nature. The dairy industry in general is very, very male-dominated. Male. Right. And so that alone is, for me, is a whole nother level of challenge because I just feel sometimes like we're not taken seriously. Um, and I, I have this problem no matter what, whether, you know, it's mechanical shaft or clutches or whatever, it needs to get it fixed. And then you bring in four different mechanics and they're all like, I'm not touching that piece of equipment because it's it's substantial and it, it's big and it, it has a lot of moving parts that all have to sing together. But when you speak with them on the phone, you tell them your problems, they're like, yeah, no problem. So then I just looked at Alicia and she's like, well, what are we going to do? Like, no mechanic is touching it. So we either figure it out or we sit here and look at it. And we just, just picked up, we went to Home Depot, bought a bunch of tools and just had at it. Well, what else are you going to do? <laughs> hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment <laughs> yes. and, and so that but that brings up something that I think is that that you know I joke with you guys about writing a book um but you know I'm dead serious right like you have to write a book yeah <laughs> that's my next mission for retirement <laughs> retirement you got a lot of butter to make I know <laughs> A little bit of butter between you and retirement. But I think that one of the things that you guys are an example of is just being brave. You know, like you are super brave because it takes bravery to go to Home Depot and say, okay, let's try this, right? You know, let's get this, this, that, or the other thing, right? And then drive yourself on back to your, to your shop, and sit there and figure it out and do it more than once. Right. Weekly. <laughs> I think a part of it is outside of the pressure to produce, I probably would enjoy that because I enjoy yeah. mechanical things. I, I honestly do. But having the pressure of a company to meet a deadline, to meet a goal, you look around, you have 10 employees, they depend upon that you know, there is a lot of pressure to, you know, make things work. Um, but I also think at the end of the day, I have learned so much about my equipment and our yeah. line that um, I would have never known had I just always called someone to come fix it. And, you know, it has also taught the staff, like, I, I they almost probably need some counseling for PTSD for like, if you hear a weird noise, like everybody just looks at everybody to find out, like, did you hear that? Where did that come from? But that shows that they your care. machine operators, your packing line, they are all in tune. They are all listening. So out of that, we became a very astute butter making 
team because we need to know the sounds of every machine and how they're supposed to run and where is it coming from and what could the problem be. And they all became like these little ears, sets of mm -hmm. ears, and they attune to like, it's a belt or it's this, and they learn too. And so that's really valuable because they are starting to understand not just my job is to put the finished product in the master case. They understand that I have to listen. I have to listen. I have to pay attention. I have to be present. Yeah. My job, that's part of my And that's pretty cool. You make a good point about the pressure because the, the timing is tricky. Right? This contract is so important because it's a gateway to other growth and other contracts. But right now, all our eggs are kind of in one basket and that's scary. And so trying to balance that fear and that pressure with the excitement of it um, and, and everything that takes to pull it off is, is can be overwhelming. But the fourth thing you say that resonates <laughs> with me <laughs> is that you notice like this, um, one of our strengths is like an absolute refusal to give up. And it never dawned on me because I'm, I was spending a lot of my time just quietly panicking about things, but like, you're right. And now I see that as like empowering. And, and so like, there's going to be more stuff that happens, but we'll figure it out just like we figured everything else out to this point. But I, th I think it speaks to our commitment to our customers too, right? So we understand the, the importance and the honor that has been bestowed on us to be able to produce at this level, which has been our dream. And so um, we don't take that lightly. Mm -hmm. And so you know, the showing up every day. I listen to your podcast. I'm not just saying this because you're in front of me, but I've told you this before. I've replaced my NPR addiction with your podcasts. <laughs> and so like, I listen to it on my drive to work. And so like yesterday, I listen, I'm, I'm way far behind. I'll be clear on that one because my addiction just started. But um, I listen to the small podcast about the small things and you do the small things every day, which leads to the big things. And then when you start doing the small things right, the big things aren't so bad and or so so monumental and i think that's what we kind of do every day with our processes what are the small things and and i've i've done that a lot in my life i started a different company years ago that was very small but i was still working full-time and alicia's like how do you do that you're like i just do one thing every single day now that one thing is like a hundred things but if you do those things right or they well and and you're committed to it they add up and i think that's the key. And, and I think, you know, Leash, you are, you're always like, she's the brave one. She's the one that does all the work, but uh, you know, for a long time there, you were the one that showed up to the calls like every week at like twice yeah. a week without fail. Oh my God, Michelle, this is what's going on this week. And it takes a lot of bravery to face that panic. Because yeah. as high achieving women, you know, like we feel like the weight of the world on our shoulders. We have to do all of these things. You had one really massive change when we started working together, which was you went full time with. And then I broke my foot <laughs> a week later, a month later. Not even a month yet. I don't know. It was like massively bad timing. It was really, really bad was, timing. It couldn't get worse. I left my job September 11th and broke my ankle October 9th. Yeah, which is the height of our butter season, right? And so like, yeah, like I mean, I I have I'm not gonna lie, girls. I was like, they're gonna pack it in. I'm 
they are going to pack it in. But you never did. And you just kept showing up. And, you know, I talk a lot about being an example of what's possible. And like what you guys have accomplished over the past six months is an example of what is possible in a family business, in a local business that's trying to make sense. I mean, good Lord, y'all work in dairying. If there is a more upside down (laughs) industry to work in, a more patriarchal white man, like this is how we've always done it. I mean, the biggest co-op in the country is a butter company. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And so it is, it's like the biggest and the oldest and all that sort of stuff. And you guys are like, no, we're going to do it differently. We're going to do it this way. We're going to do it to this massive level of quality. And we're not going to take no for an answer. And we are, we are going to do it our way and show you how it's done. Yeah. Even when it's really super difficult. So a lot of needles in some really big haystacks. Yeah. You know, I look at, so Maine, right? We have a brewery, like they're all over the place, right? Every corner. And, yeah. And, and good for them. And I look at their industry and I really wish our dairy industry, and when I have a little bit more time, I'd like to try to influence the dairy industry to start to work together like the beer industry, like at least the main beer industry yeah. and start with our main dairy industry because they collaborate, they work together and they see that when, when they do well collectively or individually, everyone does. It's well. not a zero sum game. Correct. Everybody wins. And right? so I, I wish that other industries would see the value in that collaboration. Now some industries you can, and I understand that. And dairy, super scarce, right? So everybody wants the fat. We want the fat. The ice cream makers want the fat. Everybody wants the fat. Who wants the skim? Not many people. So it's super competitive to get that high quality fat. But I think there's room for collaboration. I think there's room for coming together and working to really build our industry and move it forward. And that's kind of where Alicia and I started. We were working in higher education in Gorm and not happy. And we looked around and all the farms are getting bought up for subdivisions. And we said, how can we do a value added product? Because it needed, like dairy industry was just dying. But like, how do we now, as we're growing and have maybe a little influence, how do we help make that collaboration and move our, our dairy here in Maine forward? And I think that's a goal. That's a beautiful goal. I love that so much. Okay, so if people love that goal as much as I do and they want to get in touch with you, either because they need product co-packed, best product ever, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, and how do they, uh, where do they find you? How do they get in touch with you? Mm-hmm. Sure. So cascobaycreamery.com. Um, and we have, you can see our products and we have a contact form there. That's super easy. Um, info at Casco Bay Creamery or cascobaybutter.com um, is the easiest way to get a hold of us. Perfect. So Most reliable, too. <laughs> <laughs> I lose my phone all the time. <laughs> yep. 
I think one of the reasons I had children is because they're in charge of finding my phone. <laughs> hey, kids, clever. Leave her phone. <laughs> we could teach our dogs to do that. We would be in trouble because they would shop on Amazon. I sealed, my, I sealed mine in the packing line because I was using it as a flashlight twice <laughs> on two different pieces of equipment over the course of a year. She actually screwed her phone inside of a piece of equipment. Oh, well. <laughs> Yeah. I've sensed about a headlamp. Conform with the audit standards. <laughs> oh, pre-audit days. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you're too much. Well, thank yep. you guys so much for coming on the podcast. It's been delightful to have you here. I love you both so so much. It is. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Thanks, oh, Doctor. We're grateful to work with you. We are. All right. You guys have a great rest of your day. Bye bye. Thank you too. Bye. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button and check us out at foodsafetyuniversity.com. We have free food safety guides waiting for you. See you next time.